I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Players Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, welcome. I'm so nervous about the audience, the listeners being in the one and done. I'm, I've, I've caught all the coverage on Twitter. I've caught all the coverage on last night's podcast, First Cut Podcast. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting sleep at night. I think you should be. And also, you should be sending flowers to Kyle Porter's house because he is the only protection that you have left before these fans uh, track you down right after they track him down. Yeah, it's going to have to be a big week for me this week. Fortunately for me, I haven't I haven't used a lot of guys in terms of like kind of heavy hitters. So I sort of have my pick of the litter this week and and kind of throughout. So hopefully, you know, Rick, I know this isn't your one and done strategy. And, and I think it's my strategy. It, it's kind of proving your strategy true and accurate. So we'll see how it plays out. But speaking of the word play, like the players, like what a big purse. Like this is a big time tournament for any. I know this is a DFS show, but any one and done. This is this is the big one. Yeah, plenty of overlap there. $20 million purse, $3.6 million up top. Uh, but before we jump deep into the DFS stuff, yeah, re- reminder here. So you guys are now in the one and done. If you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, you're in the one and done. You're off to a good start. You're about to track down Kyle Porter, and then you'll have Sian Ajad in your sights right after that. So the official fan vote for the one and done, it's live right now. It is in the video and uh, the video link. Excuse me. The link is in the description of the video and the podcast. You can go down. You can get your pick in and see. A, we've kind of changed this around on the fan. They have to get it in basically now because we we record the or we go live with the mega preview pod now Tuesday morning. So don't don't mull it over. You got to get your pick in right now. That's right. And and, and by the way, I think I'm joining you all for that that mega preview oh, tomorrow so that'll be fun but yeah get, get the pick in now i mean i don't know why you'd wait although rick obviously for this tournament you know we do have some weather concerns i, I don't know that the the wind splits are going to be particularly severe but we have weather concerns regardless with wind and of course with uh, potential precipitation yeah let's talk about that tpc sawgrass the course we've seen it we know it we love it but there is some suspected precipitation in the forecast so jacob dropped the 
weather report here in the outline before he bailed on us. See, just you and I uh, behind the curtain here. So there is a chance of rain and or thunderstorms basically every single day. I don't want to put the the old hex on this golf tournament or say that it might extend or we might get delays, but you might you might be doing a lot of tinkering late on Wednesday and wondering if you got the right end of the draw as we watch the weather roll in. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, too, because I know when there are stuff. And by the way, this is kind of typical Florida weather, although I'll say it's not as a, as someone who lives in Florida. It's not necessarily typical like this time of year where you have like thunderstorms every day. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see how that actually bears out in the summertime. You literally do have a thunderstorm pretty much every day. So every day, every day, three o'clock when I was there. Pretty much. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy, the clockwork on that. But the, the point is, yeah, there's going to be a, potentially a lot of stopping and starting. And I know that can be to the advantage of some people and to the disadvantage of others. And it's really there's no use in kind of predicting who it's going to be an advantage for. But I think it's going to be a little frustrating, you know, when your guys like in a good in a good, you know, is in the swing of things, so to speak. And then all of a sudden there's a stoppage and then it's a bogey on the next hole. So those are the frustrating things that come with golf. It's an outdoor event that's subject to the weather. Just ask Shane Lowry about all of that. So it's just one of those things we have to take into account. I'm not ready to talk about that Shane Lowry moment yet. That's we'll have to do that next year. Um, Let's just assume it'll be wet. I think that's the safe assumption, and uh, I, I think these greens, they have that sub-zero underneath, so they can try to pump water out of the greens, but if the golf course is wet, fairways, rough, they're not going to be able to cut the rough if they if they wanted to anyway, Sia, but does a wet golf course lend itself better to a specific type of golfer than a dry one? Yeah, I suppose it lends itself to some of the bombers, some of the guys that can, can get it out there. I mean, I know on a lot of these holes – you are going to be, quote, clubbing down because, you know, it's it's more of a positional golf course than it is just like a, a bomb and gouge type situation. But, yeah, I mean, obviously there are guys who can get it out there with some accuracy. And if that's the case, they're going to be an advantage because there's not going to be the run out for some of those shorter hitters. Yeah, so I'll show my website here, rickrungood.com. This is the course key stats tool. So you can see the regression model and all that fun stuff that I have listed here. There is also, th- this is getting... You know, we're already talking about weather on a Monday afternoon. That's a little bit of putting the cart in front of the horse. But if you want to just continue down that path and go even further, Sia, the PGA Tour loves a good preferred lies. They love it to be able to have ball in hand. And if that happens, any set of days at TPC Sawgrass, I think it benefits two types of people, uh, accurate drivers of the golf ball because if you are in the fairway and you get to pick up your ball clean it and put it down it's a huge edge and then approach players who are already were kind of one of the strongest correlated stats that strokes gained approach being able to put your ball exactly where you want it and have a hand on it is so incredibly valuable these guys will go nuts if that's the case yeah and obviously approach play is going to be critical here anyway but yeah. to your point like you know last week it was so interesting you you could you could have had a guy that just hit a perfect shot and Rory kind of addressed this right yesterday after after his fourth round but you could have a guy who just you know drilled one and it was a perfect shot or seemingly a perfect shot and it just runs off so you're not going to necessarily have that obviously uh with some wet conditions so yeah i think approach play is going to be an emphasis kind of regardless but you're right about the um you know, the lift in place, it's going to be a big advantage to those guys that are in the fairway. I mean, I, I'm kind of looking at guys that are going to be fairway bound for the most part anyway. It's not necessarily like the end all be all for me, but that's certainly something I'm looking at. So I'm kind of already leaning that direction. 
but yeah, even more of an emphasis with lift clean in place. The other final item that we need to talk to before we actually get to the cheat sheet and into the the players here, Sia, is the fact that we are now back in that March time slot from the May time slot that we had for, so it used to be for like 30 years, it was March. Then for 11 years, we went to May and now we're back to March. And the course is a little bit different, right? I mean, you get kind of uh, a different strain of grass on the greens. You get like an overseeded POA slash bent combination, although I think it's more POA uh, than anything this time around. It just plays differently. You get a different set of wins and all that stuff. Um, Are you going to focus your research more on 2019 and 2021 when you're looking at course history or will you take into consideration a larger sample so it's it's a little bit of both i hate to give you like a cop-out answer but i'm looking at history like typically i'm looking like the last five years because for one it's easier to do that on rickrungood.com but but also i'm taking a second look at 2021 and 2019 because i i I just want to see okay if it's good history well is it also a good history there like course history isn't going to be gigantic for me this week. It's always kind of bigger for me than I think most people. So I always kind of factored in, especially just the idea of having experience on the course. Like I don't typically don't like guys who have never like played a course before or at least competitively on the PGA tour. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely zeroing in on 2021 and 2019, but I'm also looking at other years as well. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, let's head on over to the cheat sheet here. So here we go. Uh, the $10,000 range, Sia, starts with John Rahm at 11100 Rory McIlroy at 10-8, Colin Morikawa at 10-7, Justin Thomas 10-4, Victor Hovland 10-1. I must also note that this pricing came out early. So it came out, I want to say Saturday, of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which means Bryson DeChambeau was in the pricing. He has since been removed because he withdrew from this event, but that slot for him still kind of exists. And also it means that guys like Scotty Scheffler, who had a really good Arnold Palmer Invitational, might not necessarily be as highly priced as you think they could be if this pricing would have come out normally on a Monday. 
Yeah, and let me start. He- let me start with just kind of one kind of blanket statement here. And, and to your point, Rick, there's definitely some value here, some enhanced value because of the pricing coming out early. So that that's a really good point. I mean, when you look at a guy like you know in the nine K range, like Scotty Scheffler. I mean, Rick, I'd ask you now that we know he won, and if DraftKings was coming out with the pricing after the fact, is he is he ten thousand one hundred like Victor? Yeah, I think he would be. Yeah, I well. 10 one or 9,900 or 10,000 like that, like right there, the, the one a tier of these big boys is exactly where he'd be. I mean, what's funny about that is even if he didn't win last week, let's say it was Victor Hovland that won or Billy Horschel. I still think this might be too low. I mean, just remember last week, wasn't he third? Wasn't he 10th? I mean, I understand this is a, is a, there's more depth to this field from a talent standpoint, but I still kind of think it might be a little too low for like if if he didn't win to me he's at least up there with Hideki and Xander right what am I missing here yeah I, uh, yes I suppose you're you could make that argument he's been really really good and I think um, DraftKings has not necessarily reacted as quickly you get the win in Phoenix the top ten at Genesis the win at the API it goes back further than that I mean he's been playing unbelievable golf for his last 20 rounds or so. So yeah, I, I think there's a pretty strong case to be made Sia, that he is very much undervalued, but does that now create a situation in which he's going to be one of the highest known golfers on the slate? It's a good question. I think the answer to that is no, believe it or not, because I think people will be, well, first of all, there's a couple things working against him. One is that he, he just won again and people generally, I mean, if Greg was on the show with us today, he'd be yeah. like, oh, he's out. He won last week, which, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's kind of one of those things. I don't know that I really buy stock in that, but I, I think there's so the other thing is I think there's so many names around Scotty Scheffler that I think let's start at the top. Like Colin Morikawa, I think in this 10K range, I think he's probably going to be the most popular. I, I don't know, Rick, I'd like your opinion. To me, it's either Colin Morikawa or Rory that are the most popular in this range. Yeah, which is amazing because uh, John Rom, you know, like we're just people are going to forget about John Rom this week. I think, yeah, Morikawa has just been flying under the radar, not playing all that much. When he has, he's played well. You set him up at a big time event, and everyone is going to be buying. It's going to be well deserved because he can really hone in from those kind of scoring positions that 150 yards and in. If this is a wet situation, and God forbid he gets to put his hand on his golf ball, that he's probably the guy who is most benefit uh, who benefits most from that because he hits so many fairways and he's the best iron player in the world. He if this, if you told me it was live clean in place right now for four days, I'd give it to Kyle Morikawa. Yeah, it makes sense. I, the thing is, because I think he's going to be so popular, I'm not a super big fan of playing him this week. I think if you're playing him in cash or maybe in single entry, I mean, one thing about single entry, it, it's also beneficial to kind of get different in single entry too, just to kind of stay ahead of the curve. But I, I think I'm shying away from Colin this week. And, and the blanket statement I was going to say, Rick, when before I got into the Scotty Scheffler underpriced thing is that I genuinely think there's win equity 8,300 and up. And I genuinely think you can, and we'll get there, but I genuinely think you can start your lineups in the 9K range. And I don't think it's completely, I'm not saying I'm going to do this. I'm not saying, I don't think it's completely ridiculous to start your lineup in the upper 8K range. I only say that to say this. I don't think I necessarily need to go to Colin Morikawa. I think there's win equity so far down the board Mm. that, I just I think I can get different by creating a lineup starting in the 9K range. I think I can get different by maybe not super different, but by maybe taking a John Rom, who, by the way, the ball striking is there. Listen, the around the green game, especially watching him this last weekend, it looks really bad. 
I mean, it just it. I mean, I know the putter is has been a problem for him too, but the around the green game is just bad, and it does. It's not like he's getting unlucky. They're just they're just bad shots. So that does concern me a little bit because I think around the green game is going to come into play. But the reason I bring him up, Rick, the ball striking is as good, if not better, than Colin Morikawa. So if you make the leap that Rom is going to be okay around the green and and you know that he's going to be less owned than Colin Morikawa why wouldn't you just play John Rahm and pay the extra money I'm I think I'm with you here so last 24 rounds so for Rahm that basically takes him back to the start of 2022 he is still by far the best ball striker uh not only in this field but in the world he's gaining nearly two and a half strokes per round it's basically a half stroke gap between him and Will Zalatoris when i look at the statistical profile for John Romsey and i see that we've got five straight events that he's losing around the green and three straight that he's losing with the putter which is basically that combo of things is we are in uncharted territory uh when you look at the rest of his career that's historically bad and then you realize his worst finish in that time frame is a T21 at the Genesis, which was a stacked field, tough golf course. To me, all I see is high floor and plenty of ceiling that he can still tap into. I um, I was not thrilled to play John Rahm last week. We got away with that. I think I would be much happier buying back in this week. Yeah, so imagine, I mean, the laws of probability would suggest that Next week at the players, or this week, I should say, either the around the green game or the putting is going to turn around. One, one of the two, I mean, this is a world-class, you know, maybe the best player in the world. Like one of those two things is going to turn around and maybe both of them do. And, and to be honest, if one of them turns around, then instead of those T17s, those T10s that you just referenced over the last three tournaments where he lost both ARG and with the putter, well, where does he end up? Top five, maybe? I mean, it certainly doesn't kill you if he's top five and you're paying top dollar for him, especially when you consider all the value down the board. So I just think we'll have to see how ownership plays out, Rick. But I just think if Colin is six, seven, eight, nine percentage points more than John Rom, to me, it's a no brainer to pivot off Colin to somebody like Rom. Yeah, Roy McElroy stuck in the sandwich pricing $10,800 coming off what most would describe as a disappointing finish at the Arnold Palmer Invitational despite the T13, the pretty darn good result if you ask me, but it will not be viewed that way because of the first round lead that he had. And now he gets to potentially see a go to a wet sawgrass, a place that he's won, a place that you think wet conditions uh, would probably benefit Rory, who's a bomber and flies it all through the air. Is there an opportunity to kind of buy low on Rory, which is kind of even weird to say buy low on? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Rory. If, if I had to group this top tier, I think Rory would probably be a close second place behind John Rahm. And by the way, I'm including ownership when, when I talk about these guys because this is a DFS show after all. And then I think a really close third is probably Victor Hovland. I realize Justin Thomas had some recent success as the defending champion but you know you can't i can't recommend all the guys right so it's to me it's john rom it's rory it's victor and it's not that i don't like colin i'm just expecting his ownership to be slightly too high and this tournament of all tournaments rick is so unpredictable like we see that i mean golf is unpredictable anyway so obviously but like this one in particular we're gonna see carnage at the top in the middle and and down below so there's no lock there's no like oh i i have to get this guy in my lineup that that doesn't exist i'm glad you mentioned that uh before i give you that little nugget so here's victor hovland's last eight events Three wins, a runner-up, two fourth-place finishes, a T30 at the Tournament of Champions. That was weird. And he missed the cut in Phoenix. Uh, guess which one of those I had him in the one and done there, Sia? 
<laughs> the, the miscut at yeah, the Phoenix uh, Open. Uh, miscut there. Got me. Um, he, you're right about the carnage. So I send out this newsletter every week, rickrungood.com slash newsletter. And one of the things that I did was I went back and looked at all the events and the guys who were priced over $9,000 dating back to 2018. So basically, see your, your top end place. It's usually eight or 10 guys, something like that on a weekly basis. And uh, this event, the Players' Championship, resulted in 24% of the players who were priced over $9,000 to miss the cut in the last five years. Now, that is basically in the top third or top quarter of all event. It's a very high, what you might want to call carnage rate. Uh, so you might want to be careful when you're thinking about game theory. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and again, once you look at the, and we'll get there, of course, the nine and eight K range. I mean, I just, I just don't think you have to sell out at the top if you don't want to. I know not everybody, like everybody doesn't make just one lineup and some people do. Um, but you know, if you're making four or five, 10 lineups and you're, you're not, I'm not considering the MME crowd. I definitely think you should be starting your lineups below this 10K range, at least some of your lineups. Okay, so all things considered, you ranked your top three for me out of this range. Can you repeat that for me? I think it was uh, you. It was not Morikawa. It was not. It was John Rom, Roy McElroy, and then Victor Hovland. Okay, I think I'm at Rom, Victor. I, I probably like JT more than more than you do, but I, I think I well, we will definitely know more later in the week. Like this will be a lot of information to to fit to play itself out. Do you expect Rom to turn around? Like I'm not worried about the putter as much. The around the green game is actually a concern of mine because that seems like it's more of something not to necessarily bounce out of right away, like you can with a, a hot putter. The variance there. Are you worried about the around the green game? Because it, it obviously worries me. Yes, I, I would be lying to you if I said. For for the first time in this guy's career, he's lost five strokes around the green. If 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 you said to me for the first time in X guy's career he's lost Y, like I'd be concerned, right? Like that's not necessarily a great thing. Um, he has been able to produce good results despite that, which at least gives me a lot of optimism because it's not like he's bad around the, like he is historically yeah. very strong around. He's got hands like you cannot even imagine. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's a little bit off. I don't know if he hits one shot and it clicks and he figures it out, but um, I'm, I'm certainly at like a very low level of concern, but yeah, of course it's a concern. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I guess in, in my head, I'm hoping it's enough of a concern where his ownership isn't super high. There you go. $9,000 range. Patrick Cantlay, Dustin Johnson, Xander Shoffley, Hideki Matsuyama, Cameron Smith, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth. So we got a couple of guys here who played last week in Scheffler and Matsuyama. We've got a couple of guys who've got top 10 finishes in the last few years at this event. Dustin Johnson, uh, Xander Shoffley, Hideki Matsuyama, how are we starting to parse out this $9,000 range? Yeah, there's two guys that really jump out to me. And then there's one, what I consider to be a slight contrarian play that I like. So let me just start with Patrick Cantley. I mean, I, I, I don't know really what to say about him. He's, he's been so good. And I know he's considered more of like, well, first of all, I do understand that in the bigger tournaments, he hasn't necessarily shined. But that's one of those things that I think we're just we're just on the cusp of watching that sort of narrative kind of fly by. Yeah. It's if he wins this week, you'd be like, Oh yeah. Like we knew that was coming. Right. Exactly. You know, and it, it only takes one event to really silence that because that is really the only knock. He's got the complete game. 
I mean, there, there, there have been times we see it here. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube at the Genesis and at the, um, the at Pebble Beach, he lost a, a couple strokes uh, on approach, which isn't great, especially on a course that that he's about to play. But for the most part, he's a great approach player, excellent yeah. off the tee, and he's got the short game. So I don't really see any flaws here. And at 9,900, I mean, I, I genuinely think this guy belongs in the 10K range. So you're certainly getting value with, with Patrick Cantlay. The other guy I really like, a guy that I think is going to navigate this course really well, is Cam Smith. I mean, I kind of always like Cam Smith, so there might be a little bit of bias there. But, I, you know, Cam Smith is just one of those players that anytime he's in the 9K range, I, I'm probably going to be on him. Usually the metrics don't, you know, they don't like really truly speak to me. But looking at this, I mean, this is – this is pretty great, right? The short game is awesome. Uh, the approach game is typically great. Sometimes he can lose off the tee, which is kind of dangerous. But again, this is yeah. more of a positional course. And, and I think you might see a scenario where he's a little bit more conservative off the tee, depending on the circumstances, and then crushes it with approach. I'll be very interested. I think Cam Smith is definitely the X factor for all the positive reasons that you mentioned. But my, I do have concerns around the fact that he is – 139th in driving accuracy. And if you get yeah. yourself into a situation where this is wet, thick, rough, and your peers are picking up their ball, cleaning it and putting it back down out of the fairway, that's my only concern. The rest of it, um, you know, if, if you stuck him in the fairway and played it out from there, he beats a lot of these guys, you know, over a thousand holes or whatever it is. But I'm, I'm a little bit worried if he cannot find the short grass. No, I agree. That's definitely a concern of mine. And, you know, you can find guys in the 9K range that don't have those concerns or really any concerns, any significant concerns. But I I, I still do kind of like how he rates out. He's not he's not even in the top 15 in my model, but he never really is. Like there are certain guys that sort of buck the model. And Cameron Smith is one of those guys. By the way, there are four par fives here that are quite gettable. And strokes in par five, I'm going back 50 rounds for this tournament. He's number four in the field. And, you know, the fifth best putter. So, you know, to the extent that off the tee game isn't there, he typically makes up for it around the green and with the putter. Fair. Um, I'm, that's fair. Um, there's two guys that I think are big kind of question marks in this range. We know the upside is there, but the downside also there as well. Dustin Johnson is 9,800. Sia and Jordan Spieth is a flat 9,000. If you had to play one of these guys, who would it be? Well, it would be Dustin. That that was like my third guy that I that I said wow. I considered to be a sleeper okay. because I think I think I want to be early on Dustin Johnson, and I and I think his game like his game hasn't trended super poorly. Like we're, you know we're looking at it now. The short the around the green game is, has been you know pretty questionable, but he started to put it together after I guess after the Tour Championship or after the CJ Cup. So I think this is one of those guys that if you're early like if. If Dustin Johnson won this tournament, I wouldn't be surprised. And so I think you're getting him at a price and at an ownership level where it really makes sense to play him. I, boy, man, I just, um, I'm so worried about DJ. And I hope I'm wrong here. So here's here's what I see when I look at this. I see his best weapon, his driver, has been kind of all over the place. I see him losing strokes on approach. I see the putter that carried him for the most of 2021 has at least cooled off a little bit, but those are all small sample things. And if there's anybody who has the memory of a goldfish, it's DJ. And I just, he does feel like the guy who could just burn everybody on a fade here. 
Yeah, and that's the thing though. Like if you go back to you, you, about the sample size, like you, you never really know what sample size is correct. I mean, you no. can you, we're making certain assumptions on 24 rounds or 36 or 50 or even some people who go back 200 rounds. But the point is just last summer, he was crushing it off the tee. He's crushing it with the putter. He was good on approach and around the green. So knowing that the last couple of tournaments, he sort of picked it up a little bit. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's too far removed from where he was last June, last May. Fair. Fair enough. Um, we talked about Scotty Scheffler quite a bit. Hideki Matsuyama, remember, was leading this event after one round in 2020. He missed the cut in 2021. Uh, what are we going to do with Xander, who finished runner-up in 2018, missed the cut in each of his last two starts? We know that we are waiting for that big breakthrough win for Xander Shoffley. Is this the week? So last week, I wasted everybody's time because – I said, hey, look at Mark Leishman's stats up against Matt Fitzpatrick. Wouldn't that be a great pivot? Because they look virtually the same. Well, whoops, uh, Fitzpatrick was way better than Leishman. With all of that said, when I had that conversation with you, you said, and I quote, I just never get Mark Leishman right. And I will I will lob back to you, I never get Xander right. I'm pretty yeah. sure I've literally never gotten Xander right. I'm either on him at the wrong time or I'm off him at the wrong time. And with all the other talent in this field, it just it just doesn't make sense for me to go there. I would like to see what his ownership numbers are and then kind That's of fair. work work from there. He's he's very well rounded at a place like this where you're just one or two swings away, either on approach or off the tee from getting yourself in big trouble. I kind of like the idea that he is very well rounded, but I I I also the reason I like legitimately asked because I wanted to know what to do. I was genuinely well, like not even driving the conversation for the show. I was genuinely curious. Well, if there is a tiebreaker as it pertains to Xander Shoffley, let me let me offer you this because yeah. at the beginning of the show you said, "Well, are you taking 2021 and 2019 into more of an account than like the rest of uh, of, okay. of the other years of the players?" And he missed the cut in 2021 and 2019. I'm not saying that's the end all be all. He was second in 2018. That's great. But against all of these other guys, I don't think Xander's a bad play. I just don't think, especially with my roster construction, I just don't think I'm going to get there. I think I'd rather play Cam Smith, maybe Scotty Scheffler and, and DJ as a sleeper over Xander. All right. Well, we're going to keep on rolling here. We're going to get to the $8,000 range, the sevens, and we will even... Sneak on down to that $6,000 tier as well. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash 
podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. $8,000 range here. See ya. Let me pull back up. The cheat sheet, it is Will Zalatoris, Daniel Berger, Louis Ustazen. The middle of it is Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau, Joaquin Neiman. And then the bottom of it is Sung J M, Adam Scott, Billy Horschel, Shane Lowry. Still one tier in my eye for all Shane. Okay, what are our best options in this $8,000 section? First of all, I, I absolutely love this range. So does everybody. I'm not like breaking news here. I think Shane Lowry might be one of my favorite plays. If we want to start at the bottom there, he's been absolutely murdering it on approach. Um, the around the green game, the short game is great. Um, the greens in regulation is great. Um, he, he, he tends to put it in the fairway or, or at least in a good position off the tee. So I, I really, really like Shane Lowry from a value standpoint. He's not a name that really garners a ton of attention typically. I don't know if he will this tournament. Um, looking at the metrics here, Rick, what are your thoughts on Lowry? I agree with you. I think that he is, and especially what we saw at Honda, where he gained a ton of strokes off the tee, a ton of strokes on approach. You know, if he has to play through wind, maybe it's not so great because it looked like he was going to melt when the when the rain came out on 17 at PGA National. But other than that, I I think the the metrics, the the um, the experience, the savvy veteranness, whatever you want to attribute to Shane Lowry, I think are all positives. You know what's interesting about him? There are times if you look at this chart here uh, that we're watching on YouTube, of course, you know, if you go back to August of last year, there were times where he was pretty terrible off the tee. And look, not not only is he making the cut, losing 2.45, 2.48, 4.15, but he's top 25-ing all those tournaments. I think that's like the type of guy like – he, if he's even decent off the tee, what is his upside at 8,000? It's just, to me, it's tremendous. Yeah. It's corny to say, but he's one of those guys who's just really good at putting the ball in the hole. Like if, if something is not working, one part of his game's not working, he can kind of make up for it. He's just really good at getting the ball in the cup. And, and that's kind of how I describe Shane Lowry. And for the record, I liken that to, to Cam Smith. I think it's yeah. just one of those things where the metrics aren't necessarily going to pop out at you, but he figures it out and, and, you know, every third tournament, he's always, you know, somewhere in the top five, you know, come Sunday afternoon. Um, the other, Rick, the other 8K guys I like here, that there's so many to like. So I'll just name a few and then and maybe you can kind of give sure. your opinion because I have so many that I like. It's it's kind of crazy. So I do like Will Zalatoris. He's not my favorite necessarily, but I do like Will Zalatoris. I love Daniel Berger. I, caveat there, Daniel Berger is going to be really popular for for mm. good reason. So again, keep that in mind when you're when you're making your lineups. If you want to play him in your cash games, that's great. If you want to play him in your single entries, that's probably fine too. In MMEs, I think he's probably best to maybe get away from and, and find maybe a lower owned pivot. I do like Berger. I like Louie. And this might surprise you, Rick. I think Brooks Kepka has been kind of quietly playing pretty well. 
And I think he could surprise some people, especially at this price. All right, let's have the Brooks conversation. And then I'll take a guy because there's a guy that I think might just win this golf tournament in this range. And I'm, and I'm very excited about, but uh, Brooks Kepka. So here's what we've got. We got the T3 at Phoenix. We all know about that. He missed the cut in R- at Riviera in his next start. And then he followed that up with the T16 at the Honda Classic. See, I imagine what you see in Brooks Kepka is kind of twofold. One is a more recent in, uh, improvement in the ball striking categories, which is exciting and somewhat new. And then the fact that he's never lost strokes putting at TPC Sawgrass. If you marry those two things together, you've got yourself uh, a, a contention this week. Yeah. Also, there's there's something at play here that we're never really going to have a definitive answer to. And that's how long was that knee injury bothering him? And how does that affect the metrics that we're looking at, particularly in January, in December? Um, and to the extent it was affecting him, you know, how, how was that affecting his reps? Because I definitely think if you run a model and you look at like the last, let's say, 24 rounds, you're not going to be particularly impressed. But I think contextually, you have to factor some of those other things in there. And the way he's playing right now and the way he was playing last year before the knee injury, before anyone was aware of a knee injury, was pretty impressive. And this is a guy that I think can win this tournament at 8,600. Yeah, last 24 rounds, Brooks Kepka is 89th in this field in terms of strokes gained total. But you're right. There's a couple of pop moments in there, which is better than having just kind of 24 average rounds. And there are a- absolutely outside factors in play. I know who's going to win this golf tournament. And his name. Can I guess? Sure. Oh shoot! Okay, Did you, you see already typed it? the first I, letter. I typed in two letters. <laughs> but I, I had a, I had a name that that nobody's going to be talking about that I'll mention after you talk about Will Zalatoris. All right, Will Zalatoris. So, and and I think if if people are paying attention, I like Will. I'm I'm kind of like mostly warm on Will. I rarely get hot on Will, but I think this is a really interesting set of circumstances. So he is he is cut from the Justin Thomas cloth which is be really good on approach, literally elite on the PGA Tour. He's gained strokes on approach every event, dating back to the WGC FedEx St. Jude. And he is really improving and showing what he's got with the driver right now. Now, he's going to be a horrible putter, but I actually think the March version of this event with the overseed on these greens, I think poor putters can get around a little bit better than in the May version of this and also see it. There's one other thing that Sawgrass can be defeated via the par fives and the four rounds that Zalatoris has played at this event. So he's played the par fives. He's played 16 par fives. He's playing up to a 4.38. That is the lowest scoring average of anybody in this field on the Sawgrass par fives. So I'm going to add it all up and go with Willie Z. Yeah, totally makes sense. Uh, I, I, that was one of the names I mentioned. I, I'm not a, as high on him a, as you are, but I totally get it. There's definitely winning upside, probably more. Uh, you know, it's it's tough. I don't know where Berger stands in a field like this, but probably more than Berger, probably more than Louis. I don't know about Brooks. I, I think I'd probably put them on the same plane, even though Will has been playing kind of way better over the last 24 rounds. Let me offer you one other name. Can you, uh, l- let me, I'm going to say just a, a very brief description. You tell me who I'm thinking of. <laughs> Okay. This is a guy that somehow we all forgot about. His ball striking is amazing, an up-and-comer, and he recently missed a cut, and we just apparently forgot all about him. Is it is it Joaquin Neiman? It is Joaquin Neiman. Okay. <laughs> Can we pull up his metrics? Uh, sure. I mean, it's it's just outstanding. And, you know, he as far as I can tell, he played here 
one time in 2021-29, so that's not bad. He won the Genesis, got cut at the Honda. Wasn't a terrible Which, it wasn't terrible for him at the Honda. And by the way, uh, missing the cut the week after your first win or not first win, but like your first big win and first in a couple of years is entirely acceptable. <laughs> entirely acceptable. So so here's the the cool thing about him like that I mean he can really spike in the ball striking. And, you know, I guess the putter can sometimes be a problem. But again, I think this is a guy that's going to have like almost no ownership relative to everybody eight, between 8,600 and 8,900 what Will Zalatoris is. I think he is like kind of the perfect leverage play in this range because right below him, I think Sungjae is going to be popular. Adam Scott's going to be popular. Lowry and Horschel probably popular. It wouldn't shock me if Lowry is one of the bottom two from an ownership percentage standpoint. Yeah. The thing with Neiman is um, the putters kind of back, which is that's what we wanted to see in 2022. He's a very good putter for a lot of 2021. And then it just fell off the face of the earth. We're seeing that come back. It unlocks kind of the rest of his game. I, there are definitely plenty of blueprints here for Joaquin Neiman to find his way near the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. I think if you start a lineup with, let's say Cantley. And then you go to, let's say, Will Zalatoris or Brooks, and then you go to Joaquin Neiman. I think all three, and you'll have so much money. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that's the lineup I'm submitting, but submitting Patrick Cantlay at the top, I'm perfectly okay with. And I, and I definitely think the guys we discussed in the 8K range, almost all of them have winning upside, in my opinion. Let's pop on down to the $7,000 range. I won't read them all, but it's the top with Sam Burns, Terrell Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick, Abraham Answer, Webb Simpson, who... I'm waiting for the Webb WD. We have not seen him in quite some time. He's been out. I I don't even, I, I, I don't know. I'm not expecting him to play, but we shall see. It goes all the way down to, let's see, Lonzo Griffin, Mav McNeely, Sepp Straka, Tom Hoagie, uh, Chris Kirk, amongst the guys at flat $7,000. Sia, what would you like out of this range? Yeah, there's certainly a lot to like here. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick is somebody I definitely, by the way, do, do we know if Jason Day is playing or not? Not sure. Have not heard yet. Okay. Uh, for those, he withdrew before the Arnold Palmer Invitational. His mother passed away. So not sure if he is going to be teeing it up this week or not. Yeah, my understanding, and this is really hearing this second or third hand, was that he was going to try to play this week. I, I, I think it's important to point out, though, for those that don't know, is that he was not out due to an injury, which typically with Jason Day withdrawals, that's what people think. So just, just so everybody knows, if he's playing, he's going to be healthy. And also, um, you will probably see this when you go to input lineups, but I've got to get him out of the cheat sheet. Kevin Na just withdrew a bit ago. Mm -hmm. He is, uh, his wife is on the verge of having their third child. So congratulations to you, Kevin Na and family, but he will not be teeing it up this week at the Players' Championship. Yeah, so a, a couple of the other guys I like, I mean, there's so much in this range. Uh, I, I mentioned Fitzpatrick. You know, going down the list, I do like Jason Day. He's got a great history here, and I think he's starting to turn his game around a little bit. But I'm really kind of going more on the history with Jason Day. I think Max Homa is really interesting. Another yeah. guy that might have some top 10, top 5, or even some winning upside in this tournament. I'll mention Paul Casey only because I think he's going to be really popular. Um, that's probably going to be an ownership pivot for me. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be on like Sergio or Cameron Tringali. It's really that low 7K range that I think there are some guys I might jump back on. Cameron Young, I mean, what, oh what, my God. what are we going to do with this guy? He just keeps he's churning amazing. out. Like, I, I, you're, you're playing him. You're not playing him. He's played a lot lately. Yeah, this will be his fifth straight week and six out of seven, which is a lot of golf. But I don't know. These guys, they do that now. And you like, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure you can get pretty excited for the players championship. I OK, so uh, one little nugget about Cam Young here. So if you go to 
So that's last five. So that'd be last 20 rounds. So if you look at everybody in this field, last 20 rounds, Cam Young is seventh, which is insane in terms of strokes gained total. He's averaging nearly two strokes per round. You're talking about him being right behind Victor Hovland and Billy Horschel. Like that's how good he's been. If you do the weighted stuff, Sia, normally this is where guys like Cam Young get worse. He gets better. He's wow. actually second only behind Scotty Scheffler because he's played and he's played well at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. That was a 13th place finish, stacked field. Runner up at Genesis, stacked field. 26th in, in Phoenix, stacked field. Top 20 at the Farmers, great field there. I mean, those are those are legitimate performances. I, I can I can take nothing away from those from those weeks. Yeah, I guess the only knock on him, if you even want to consider it a knock, is he hasn't played here before. So, I mean, and that, that makes sense. Right. But, um, and when I say played here, I mean, played the players before. I don't know if he's played. Right. He's probably played yeah. the course with his buddies at some point, but like competitively right. on the PGA tour. <laughs> I'm not sure that's much of a knock for him. Uh, you know, I, I know guys like Siwoo Kim are probably going to be popular. I think young probably is going to be popular. A couple other names I'll mention. Um, Chris Kirk. I mean, he just keeps turning them out, but yeah, Taylor man. Gooch is the guy I really wanted to talk about. I feel like, I don't want to say this is a misprice, but fifth year last year in 2021, seventh at the API. He played well at the waste management. Uh, he obviously has a miscut sandwiched in there, but to me, Taylor Gooch is probably in the wrong price range. He should probably be up there in the, the upper 7K range. In the last five months, six months almost, Taylor Gooch said one bad start, right? He missed, right. he missed the cut at the Genesis. It was very ugly. He lost strokes across the board. He then, in his next start, finished T7 at the Arnold Palmer Invitational and was in the final group on Sunday and had a legitimate chance of winning the golf tournament. If that's the bad start, forgive and forget. He was your fall MVP. He even played better than that. I mean, it's it's a lot of really good, lot of really good stuff for Gooch, man. And I thought we saw a lot, uh, you know, in terms of character, like I thought we saw a lot from him last week when Sunday just started off really poorly for him. And then somehow, you know, when when some of those guys like Horschel and Hovland and, and of course, uh, Scheffler were battling, all of a sudden kind of Gooch was there too, just battling back. There was there was a few guys that I thought really battled. You know, Tom Hoagie, speaking of the 7K range, another guy, he was plus six. Actually, I think he was plus eight on Thursday. He got it down to plus six before the day was out and then shot minus 30 three under on Friday. I think he's another interesting guy. I think with the talent laden field, I don't love him, but uh, Gooch, I definitely do like. Uh, Hoagie's got two top thirties in the last two years, which is always fun. Uh, you mentioned Max Homa. I think he's worth a little bit of a deeper dive because what we're seeing from him is really strong. And this just continues that upward trajectory for Max Homa over the last three or four years, but he's driving it Unbelievable. Gains five strokes in Phoenix. He gains at least one in at Riviera and at Bay Hill. He's gaining a ton of strokes on approach. The putter's been better recently. And what we know from Homa is when you get like a plus three putting week, he doesn't waste it. He cashes top tens. He cashes top 15s. I, I really like the way Homa sets up for seemingly a lot more places now, but especially around a place like Sawgrass. I totally agree. And, you know, the, the, the last three tournaments where he's top 20, I mean, it's not like they've all been, you know, bad fields or anything. I mean, this guy, and we know he has winning equity anyway. So, no, I agree. At 7,500, I think he's a great play. All right, let's go down to the $6,000 range. I will point out 
Brian Harmon and Bubba Watson at the top. I will also point out that Brian Harmon is the only golfer in this field who has two top 10 finishes in the two years since we've gone back to March for whatever that is worth. And let's go and look at the min price golfers for this week. Oh, Zach Johnson. Min price hmm. Zach Johnson. Steven Yeager, Danny Lee. Danny Lee, if you are in... uh Florida is giving away tickets on Twitter or Instagram. I can't remember which one, but he's got tickets. See if you want to, if you want to head to this event. Oh, wow. Well, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. It's, it's about five hours. I was going to uh, say it's pretty far up the coast for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty cool. I like Danny Lee. He made the cut last week. I mean, he, he battled. He didn't finish uh, strong, but Hayden Buckley got into this field. That was, I believe, thanks to the Bryson WD. Don't quote me on that. James Hahn is here. Kyle Stanley, Matt Wallace, all those folk. Okay. What do we got here in the $6,000 range? See ya. Yeah, I, I don't know. Not that it matters. Maybe Buckley got in because of the Kevin Nall withdrawal. There were two guys that came, and Buckley yeah, was second to come. I in, thought I Buckley think. got in. Um, I thought he got in before the Nah WD, but I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, by the way, I like Buckley's game. Not 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 this week, but I, I think Buckley's going to be a guy we'll we'll see uh, on the tour uh, in good measure. So there's a few guys I have my eyes on. I, I can't I can't not play. I, I can't not talk about Martin Laird. I just think Martin Laird is is been really good lately. Um, he measures out pretty well. You know, he's, he's always been kind of measuring out in, in my model pretty well, but you know, 20th on approach um, around the green game. Isn't very good. Greens and regulation is very good. He usually keeps it in the fairway. Uh, I think, you know, that the damp, he's kind of a shorter hitter. I think maybe the, the damp weather might kind of dampen my spirits on Martin Laird, <laughs> but just somebody to bring up um, Mito Pereira, I think is probably going to be pretty popular in that six K range. So kind of watch out for that. But Mito Pereira has been striking it pretty well lately, and and we might see him next year maybe in the 8K range instead of the, the upper 6K range. I'll bring up maybe one other guy, uh, Aaron Wise. He really battled last week. He had a good tournament last week. We saw a little bit of what we think Aaron Wise is going to be in the future, and I think at 6,600, I think he has – some pretty good value there. Yeah, he was with Rom and was it Victor? I can't remember, but for, he was like third in strokes gained T to green last week. He gained 10 and a half strokes T to green. He lost four putting. That is unfortunately the Aaron Wise blueprint. He has kind of given back some of the gains that he had made previously with the putter. He gave it back at Riviera. He gave some more back at Bay Hill. I'm I'm teetering on the worried side of things, but I said you got to take Aaron Wise through Florida, and this is kind of team no putt and exactly what he does. So at least he's being true to himself. See ya, and he's being true yeah. to his backers. <laughs> and and we know that at this course you don't have to necessarily be a great putter to succeed too. So if you were going to jump on some team no putt players, I think you you might be okay here. Let me let me bring up one other guy, Rick. Sure. Um. A guy who's been playing really well, but again, you know, just relatively unrecognized. Had a good finish here last year as well. Dylan Fratelli. Oh, yeah. And I, he's, I think um, this... he's had a couple of decent runs here recently because I've been playing him a hair. Let's mm -hmm. pull him up here. So has made three straight cuts. Okay, that's what I was remembering. 26th at Riviera, 24th at Bay Hill, 16th at the Honda Classic. Those were the finishes that I was remembering. Yeah, and, you know, you're going to knock him off the tee, but but – Again, you know, you don't necessarily need to be really long here. I think that's 
typically, although he can be a little wayward sometimes too. But I think it's he, he's pretty, from an accuracy standpoint, Fratelli's pretty solid. It's just the length that's his problem. That's why he's losing off the tee. But outside of that, I, he's he's been very good. And he's, his finishing positions for where he is priced uh, have been very good. Yeah, for where he is priced for sure. And he can pop a little bit. He might miss a cut or two, but he can certainly find himself inside the top 25. Keegan's here. Keegan Bradley, where are you, Keegan? I think he's 68 or 69, 6,900 bucks. Three straight top 30s at this event. 11th place at the Arnold Palmer. He's playing well. I could get behind, especially like that drive it well. Keegan's the king of total driving. He drives it far. He drives it straight. He's going to play out of the fairway more often than not. You just hope that uh, the the cup grabs a couple of his putts and, and, and reels them in instead of repels them. And one other name to throw out there is Joel Dahman. Uh, I'm I probably play him a little bit more than than most people, but he can definitely get hot. And the the approach game, you know, he's is not bad. It's the around the green game that typically tri- trips him up, along with the putter. But you know, greens in regulation, keeping it in the fairway, and getting hot on approach. That's sort of the formula when Joel Damon actually plays really well. Okay, see ya. So as we kind of think back over the things we just talked about over the last 47 minutes, is there is there a chance that you actually fade that 10K range or do you think you will eventually get into it? So I've made somewhere between five and six lineups already. And wow. to be honest with you, and I'll admit this, like usually when I'm starting out, I'm kind of like more experimenting than locking things in necessarily. But most of my lineups started in the 9K range. They mostly started at at Patrick Cantlay and maybe included one or two other 9K guys. And honestly, if you start there, it doesn't have to start at Cantlay, by the way. It doesn't have to start at the most expensive 9K player. But if you start anywhere in the 9K range and then you fill it up with a couple more 9K or one more 9K, and then you really fill it up with that that 8K range that we talked about that's really rich, Mm. you're fine. And that roster construction will get you different because even though the 9K range like has a lot of great players, People just can't resist taking one of the elite guys. So even if people tell themselves now, hey, listen, I'm I'm starting in the 9K range, most people don't do that. So I think you want to try to get different in this tournament, especially because there's so much variance with the players. You don't have to get different that way. By the way, there's other ways to get different, obviously. And you know, part of that is just taking the low-owned guy and then leaving money on the table, some of the standard stuff. But I think from a roster construction standpoint, if you start with three 9K guys or two 9K guys and then load up in the 8K range, I think you're probably going to be pretty different. I love it. Okay, well, I'm going to go tinker right now and see what I can come up with. Don't forget, if you're listening, if you're watching, the link for your vote in the fan one and done is live right now. Link is in the description on both audio and video platforms. And as we talk about this on Monday afternoon, you don't have much time because that mega preview pod is Tuesday morning and we will be announcing your picks. So make sure to get it in now. And hopefully you not only pass... Kyle Porter, but you also passed Sia Najad, who can be found on Twitter at Sia Najad. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. 
This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.